0: Hello, and welcome back to The Green Sunset, a podcast made for the individual who speaks their truth. Today, we have the very first guest of the season, and her name is Miss Julianne Miller. I am psyched for everyone to get to meet one of my first and favorite friends of college. She is a firecracker personality who has so much to share, and I can't wait for everyone to hear all the amazing stories that she's going to share on this podcast disclaimer i'm still new to podcasting and i did record this meeting over zoom so there may be some audio technical difficulties as you listen but as my great friend nairi once said i'm still new to this so mistakes will be made and it's only going to get better as i learn through the mistakes on each episode so shout out to you for listening soak up the sunset and hear some amazing stories that julianne has to share love ya mwah. Jules brand new to the podcast we're just gonna jump right in so the first thing I wanted to do for every guest on the podcast is to pick a we're not really strangers card like I did for my last one random you won't know what it is and you're just gonna have to answer it on the fly so I'm gonna pick it right now start thinking of some answers even though you don't know the question yet (laughs) (laughs) all right um, so the question is, how old do you feel emotionally? <sighs> that is a doozy of a question.
1: That's a pretty deep one. Yeah. Um, that requires a lot of like emotional intellect to even have that type of insight on your own self. Are you going to provide me with your answer first?
0: I would not like to. <laughs> 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 I'm thinking I'm thinking about this now though and I'm like technically we've only been living for 24 25 years but I, I I don't like I don't know I feel like I would say a younger age because like I'm very like I'm a kid still so I don't feel like I'll choose an older age for sure but I gotta think a little bit what is your answer
1: when you say like emotionally intelligent or what did you say emotionally how old are you emotionally
0: how old do you feel emotionally
1: So, like, does that mean how emotionally mature you are, or, like...
0: I guess it's whatever context you want.
1: Okay, so then I think that could be taken a couple ways. If we're talking about it in the sense of, are you emotionally mature? I'm probably well into the 200 years old, you know? I, I think I'm incredibly emotionally mature, and that's dedicated to numerous years of therapy and personal growth that you know i forced to go through so I definitely think that I have deep emotional perceptions of others as well but in terms of like do I think I'm an old soul no I think I'm like eight and a half
0: <laughs> yes child
1: <laughs> like I feel in that sense very like I definitely feel like a kid I definitely am go 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 all the time and need to be entertained and <laughs> but on an emotional sense I feel like I've seen it all you know what I mean
0: That's so interesting because I feel like I would say the opposite not the opposite I think I would just be like I feel like for me personally I feel dumb in so many instances in my like in my life like I feel like even now I feel like I'm still learning things that like I didn't know when I was in college or before mm-hmm. and I feel like if I were to choose an age like you did for your first age 20. Like, even now, I'm just like, what? I don't know, per se, really that much about life. I feel like when I moved to the city, I learned more about everything that was happening in the world. I was in such a bubble at Ryder too, because it is very whitewashed. Like, I didn't know much about what was happening, and I feel like I still don't. Like, even when I see things on the news, like, I still have to learn through my own, like, biases and implicit biases, and I'm still like, what is happening?
1: That's a great point. Like, I'm definitely not saying I know it all. I'm saying right, that right. I think I'm at a higher Than like most our age which might sound like bitchy but like sorry that's how I feel be
0: confident like whatever
1: own it so uh, but definitely there are but that's also incredibly subjective because there are grown adults who are 52 years old who refuse to change their way of thinking or who refuse to really have any personal growth and like that's not very emotionally mature of them so right to put an age on something like that, I don't think is, like, really fair.
0: Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, like, if it was, how old do you feel, like, physically?
1: That's different. Right.
0: I, but emotionally, like, if you're in, in tune with your emotions, like, I feel like you definitely more so are than I am. Because even now, I still feel uncomfortable talking about my feelings. I've been to a couple of therapy sessions, and I'm like uh is this for me but like I feel I don't know I just feel like I still struggle with like sharing how I'm feeling like I feel like I still get uncomfortable even with my boyfriend or like my family I'm just like I don't want to talk about this I talk more so with my boyfriend about it but like I don't like my family especially I'm just like I like I feel like I find myself receding
1: so you know and that could be more than anyone else for this age in your instance we all have different life experiences we all have different bubbles and comfortabilities and you know horizons that we look into and grow out of so how old do I feel emotionally we're getting there that's the answer <laughs> there's no
0: age oh my god it's
1: a growing process
0: honestly to give an age just to be that person I would probably would say like 15
1: oh it, it, you just said 20 now well, it's
0: 15 I don't Okay, I no, I would say like I would say 21. Like the basically like th- when you're able to like f- like legally drink, like that is my emotions right now. Like <laughs> like I don't know how to explain it. like basically being able to drink but like knowing that like, now I can drink, I can like go hardcore. Like I feel like now that I'm like old enough to like understand myself a little better, like I have stopped put, like letting people push me around. I feel like especially this year more than I ever have. So I feel like I I stopped drinking the Kool-Aid that I drank in my, like, younger years, and, like, now I'm pushing, you know? So I feel like 21, because when you're 21, you party hardy. Sure.
1: What? <laughs> I'm there. I'm
0: with
1: you. There right. are some days where I'm like that, too. Right. I think it also depends on the day, the
0: mood, the vibe, you know? It has to. Some days I'm, like, two. Some days I'm, like, 89, you know? So. Yeah.
1: Beautifully said. Well done
0: Exquisite answer (laughs) All right, so Julianne, welcome to the pod The Green Sunset, second episode, super exciting I'm glad you're here I'm so glad that you could be my first guest You were one of my favorite people in my entire life So thank you so much for being here Can't wait to jump right in Why don't you give our listeners, I was about to say viewers again, but I know people don't watch us, so why don't we talk to our listeners about your background and who you are?
1: Wow, that was such a warm welcome. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, so a little bit of background about me, I guess. Uh, My name is Julianne Miller. I'm 24. I grew up in Bucks County, but now I live in Lancaster because that is where I finished college and I ended up loving it. So I stayed out here. Um, Not many people know that there's a city in Lancaster, so that's actually where I live and I teach. It's really cool. It's not just Amish people and cows, as I probably will say later on the podcast too, but the city is really hip and really cool, and there's a lot to do and a lot of culture, So, so I ended up loving it, so I live here now. Um, I originally started at Rider with you. Shout out yeah, to the Bronx. <laughs> Shout out to that. I uh, started at Rider as a child psychology major. I realized that the school itself was not for me and neither was the major. So I ended up transferring to Millersville with um, the major early childhood education, which allows me to be a teacher from pre-k to fourth grade. So I'm actually at like my peak limit right now. I can't go any higher than this unless I take another test, uh, which I certainly would fail. So that's not in the foreseeable future.
0: I'm gonna test it actually. Now I'm thinking about it. The tests you have to take to be a teacher at specific levels are horrible. Like yeah. people think that you can just like do it, take it with like on a whim, but they're hard. They're like not easy.
1: And there's three different ones. There's like there's three multi-hour-long sessions. That is yeah. not simple. So um, the the one that I took for pre K to fourth was pretty fine. It was all right, um, mm-hmm. but I cannot imagine fifth through eighth. That's the next certification. Like I just simply don't know enough about science to pass that. So we're gonna stay away from that.
0: Do you even talk about your fam?
1: Um, probably not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, my family. I have one. Um, they're pretty cool. <laughs> I uh, grew up with my two parents and my two younger brothers. And Matt is twenty three. Nick is eighteen. He's getting ready to go into college, and Matt is getting ready to graduate college. He goes to Temple, and he's for you
0: team for Temple. You <laughs>
1: <laughs> get it going he's insane he's in uh school for music production and he plays like six different instruments self-taught and produces and sings and he's like a champ
0: okay does he have a tiktok
1: no which is so right before we started this podcast i i sent him uh two tiktoks because he doesn't have it so like i have to message them to him
0: my boyfriend's like that too i would even send him a tiktok and he's like i can only open it on your profile because when you send it i don't have one I'm like okay like Great. One. Watch,
1: it, watch it anyway like <laughs> what's wrong
0: i can sit on tiktok for hours a night like hours scrolling through
1: yeah so that's um pretty accurate i think with the whole rest of the world <laughs> when like the first bout of like covid started out in you know the end of March, beginning of April, right. I that is when I first downloaded TikTok. Um, definitely did that for about eight hours a day. <laughs> Nothing got done. I left a butt imprint, imprint. Oh my god, imprint. Am I okay? Imprint. Imprint on the couch. Like my body did not move for hours watching TikTok. So, yeah. not much has changed.
0: What's changed though is the fact that both your slippings and my slippings are. Pretty much not babies anymore. So,
1: yes, our siblings are like actually grown human beings. The fact that Nick is like looking at colleges and right. getting them to leave is nauseating.
0: So I remember like meeting them for the first time, and they were smaller than me. I'm not saying I'm tall, because I'm not, but they were smaller than me, and that says something. So, well,
1: they were young. I mean, we met seven years ago, so right. I mean, Nick was 11. <laughs> So that's like, you're not even real yet. I don't think you have thoughts just yet. you a so,
0: fish in the deep, deep blue sea.
1: Yeah, he was just swimming along, and 23 <laughs> minus 7 is some other questionable number, perhaps 16. Right. I think if you do quick math, 27 minus, I mean, 23 minus 7.
0: Is that 16? Yeah, it is. So so
1: glad I teach because 7 plus 6 is 13. Right, Okay, okay. so... Awesome, I'll let my students know I struggled with that. (laughs) Yeah, Matt was 16, which is a rough age for everyone.
0: Honestly, going back to education, like, did you actually want to go into education from the start, or how did you get an education? Because you said you were a child psychology major, so then how did you move into wanting to be an education major?
1: Yeah, that's good. I started out wanting to be a child psychology major because I know that I love kids, and I knew that I wanted to help kids with their struggles and with talking about emotions and how to deal and how to cope, like life skills that oftentimes are not explicitly taught to children. So that's something that I find to be extremely important. So I knew that I wanted to do that, and I think therapy is so important, and um, I almost said therapeutic, which would be um, really... But um, therapy was a huge part of my life and still is growing up and now. So it was just kind of in my... Being, you know, to love therapy and to want to encourage everyone to get it. So that's where it stemmed from. But then as I was progressing through the courses, I was realizing that it's a very secretive profession. In the idea that you can't come home and be like, oh my gosh, you'll never guess what Johnny said today in therapy and, you know, and talk about that. Once the door closes to your office, like you're, you can't really talk about it anymore. And I want to be able to share my work day and, explain what I do in depth to people like this you know like in these types of conversations and share my experience of my career because it's very important to me to have that as almost like part of my identity right so if it's something that I can't share with people that is less appealing to me
0: do you think that people in that profession tell their like spouses like their family like what's going on or do you think it's actually like hush hush
1: Um, that I think is a tricky question because of course there's like parent, oh my God, am I okay? Not parent. (laughs) There is, (laughs) I'm so sorry. There is patient confidentiality, you know, like they can't just go on and say like secretive things to their spouses. But I think that Perhaps they can say a little bit about them. I'm only saying that because one time I saw my therapist at Giant and um his wife was with him. Hey, what's and giant? he was like Giant? Yeah. Did you ask what is Giant? Yeah. Oh my. Um like the food <laughs> store. Like oh. Giant.
0: I don't have, you have a giant you don't have giant in New York.
1: What is your food store? We have many, Stop but shop, that's We have the Stop
0: and Shop, we have Prey Shopper, we have Whole, whole, uh, whole, whole Foods, Foods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Costco, we have Ikea.
1: Hold on, Ikea is Ikea. a food store?
0: Yeah, they sell food.
1: At Ikea? Hell yeah!
0: It has some of the best food.
1: In addition to furniture? Yeah. I've never it's, been to an IKEA. They sell so some
0: perhaps, great meatballs, so
1: What? You could get a sofa and a meatball in one purchase?
0: For damn sure.
1: Oh my god, I've never been. Perhaps I'll have to go.
0: I mean, now I have to go to Giant. So.
1: You don't. It's very It's it's probably like what a stop and shop is. It's just like the run of the mill trash. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean it's it's not a whole foods and it's right. certainly not IKEA.
0: okay I just need to know what that was I was so confused for a second it was keeping me out of my like listening ear but go back honestly go back to where you were
1: that changed my life um, so we were in giant and I saw my therapist and he was like oh blah blah I don't remember his wife's name but like oh blah blah this is Julianne like And she was like, "Oh, this is Julianne," and I was like, "Bitch, what do you know?" But like my therapist, (laughs) (laughs) my therapist and I are like homeboys, so I was like not taken aback by it at all. Like I was like, "Oh, good. I'm glad your wife knows about me. I hope she doesn't hate me." (laughs) Oh, that
0: Julianne! No, that Julianne.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I guess perhaps it's like subjective to each. patient-therapist relationship or like just their general identity perhaps they're allowed to know. I have no clue but I always imagined it to be extremely hush-hush. So the bottom line is I always knew I wanted to help kids but I needed to figure out in what capacity. So teaching was where it's at. I woke up one day and was like yeah I'm gonna be a teacher. But it's funny because I originally wanted to be a first grade teacher and now I wouldn't not like to do that at all.
0: What's kinda crazy is that I started off in middle school and now I'm in second. So here we are.
1: A huge jump.
0: Right. I'm like on such a learning curve right now, but at the same time like I feel like I'm picking up things quick. So it's just the I feel like that's just the plight of a teacher.
1: See so, yeah, seriously you don't have a choice. It's you dive in head first. There's no like dip your toe in.
0: <laughs> a little dip in the pool.
1: A, a dip to the, in spa. the pool. <laughs> <laughs> As Sharpay Evans once said. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. So yeah, that's, um, that's how it worked out for me. And anyway, I couldn't stay at Ryder because it was a school in New Jersey and I didn't want to be certified in New Jersey. I wanted to be certified where I knew I would be living, which is Pennsylvania. So right. that was one of the many reasons why it made sense to transfer.
0: We could go a little bit into our first year at Rider because I know that wasn't the best for you I mean personally I also felt my first year at Rider was not the best I think I like pushed through because of the stigma around transferring in the first place like I just didn't like my brother went to college my parents both went to college they stayed at the colleges they were at like it was never a thing of like you can transfer and like you're gonna be successful but I know you transfer we'll get into a little bit about that but like how about you share about your experience at Rider
1: sure so Rider, I was really excited to be at. I was really in love with it. I really loved how rigorous the academics were supposed to be. It's what I—I I mean, as far as I know, it's a pretty renowned school. So I was very excited, and I felt pretty, like, humbled to be there. Um, however, like the social aspect of it was not quite what I had hoped. Uh, right from the get-go, I mean, you can attest to this as well. Like, Conover was tight. Like, we very quickly all became friendly, everyone, no yeah. matter who you are, what hall you lived in. Like, that aspect was awesome. Right. And I, I really enjoyed how that was presented as a community. Um, however, as the year kind of progressed, I think that aspect of college digressed, like, or whatever that opposite of progress is.
0: Digressed?
1: It was the opposite of progress. It really was a quick downward spiral. I developed like a lot of anxiety. I certainly, you know, in hindsight, I was very depressed. I feel felt like I didn't really fit in. I joined Alpha Phi Omega, TBT to that. I was in that community service fraternity, which definitely brought me joy for a bit and then I realized I also didn't fit in there I felt like everyone had that like sidekick pal that they did everything everything with and I didn't have that uh, and it kind of just took a turn for the worst and I ended up leaving with that feeling that nobody really liked me nobody really was going to miss me It there was weird falling outs with a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of fill in the blanks here. And I just felt like I did not belong there. And it turns out I didn't because where I went, I belonged <laughs> very much and was able to have tremendous personal growth and academic growth and physical growth. I got taller. No, I'm just kidding. But like, we're
0: both the short, we literally were like the shortest people in our friend group and they would make friends, like make jokes about it all the time. I'm like, whatever.
1: Two little garden gnomes, finding our business. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. It was perfect. <laughs> so that was kind of my first year at Rider. It was not what it hyped up to be. Left with a lot of confusion and on to better things.
0: Right, and I think thinking back on it now, I remember you being so like invested in Rider in the beginning of the year, and then like I remember just talking to you like near the end, and you're just really like I'm like Thomas, I'm so over this. Like you were like, to be honest with you, I just feel like like being here is making me like sick to my stomach. Cause I felt like even like when I had joined SIGAP and I didn't, I wasn't at Conover anymore. Like I didn't really know what was going on there anymore, but I feel like we still kept in touch like the rest of that spring semester and you thought yeah. I just were like, yeah, I can't be here. So
1: yeah, it it hit me hard and it hit me fast. Um. Definitely in the fall semester, like I said earlier, I wanted to leave then, but my mom was like, no, you got to stick it out. Um, so, yeah, and like I said, that day before move out day, surprise everyone. I remember, I'm almost positive it was Agassi's room. Hey, Agassi, shout out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure every, like literally every person I've ever met in my entire life was sitting in his room and I walked in very uncomfortably and was like hey um it's me jewel i'm leaving like not for the summer like for my whole entire life i'm not coming back and everyone was silent and agazi said where are you going and i said i'm going to millersville university and his little gentle soul he laughed because he thought i was making a joke with my last name because it's Julianne Miller, and I guess why would anyone have ever heard of Millersville, right? Right. That memory is like so forever fresh in my mind because I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. No one knows where I'm going. I'm again, not. I didn't know a single person at Millersville. I was like, I get to really try this again with taking what I would learned here and allowing that to kind of push me forward at a brand new place
0: like do you like think if you had okay do you think that if you had stayed at Ryder, do you think you could have just like like evolved yourself to like feel better there or do you think you would have felt the same way all like the next three years
1: that's a tricky question um if i was not given a choice to transfer you know if Mm. that was not an option it's that point it's like okay how do you survive in a situation where you feel quite terrible it's like you have to adapt you have to figure it out so yeah i would have pushed through i probably would have ended up joining a sorority there or i would have probably like joined an intramural sport or who the heck gotten a job
0: julianne playing sports what What? julianne playing sports
1: are you joking i'm kidding Oh my god, listen. Listen to me. I'll get on that team one basketball team, I'll tell you what.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shortest girl on the team, most points for the team. Whatever.
1: What else do you need to know? So, Yeah, I would have made it work. Who's to say if... Well, no, I will say, I don't think it would have been parallel to what I experienced at Millersville. I think Mm -hmm. that they are completely different places with completely different opportunities. And... I am very glad that I chose the path that I did. I can't imagine not. I don't want to imagine not doing what I did.
0: Do you think there's stigma around transferring? Like, because when I grew up, yeah. I, I, I never like I used to watch movies and even in movies and TV, like they paint it to be so like such a bad thing to do. They like transfer. Like you should be set on a school and like that's what it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, I do. I think that some people may view it as doubting yourself, or some people may view it as quitting, Uh, which, I mean, I can see that argued side. I didn't, people might argue, yeah, that was your first year. Everyone's getting adjusted. Everyone's uncomfortable. Everyone's unhappy. Like you didn't really give it a chance, but also no one else is in anyone else's shoes to make assumptions like that. No one else knew how I felt. No one else was sharing the exact experience that I had with me. So anyone who has these presumptions around transferring in a negative way, it's kind of just their own ignorance. Like we can't judge anybody for making any decision because we're never exactly that person. So, and that goes with anything. If you're in a job that you hate and you transfer, for lack of a better term, to another job, No one's going to say to you, wow, you really should have stayed at that job that made you really drastically unhappy. Everyone would have been like, hey, good for you for getting out of that job that made you unhappy. You're on to better things. I think it's the same idea. But since we're kids, we're young then, everyone's like, you need to to give it more time. Well, why? I gave it enough time that I thought was adequate.
0: Which is so true, though, because people like – I feel like it all stems from our like our parents' generation of like if you're not working hard enough and you're not like feigning happiness and success at the place that you're at, then like why even bother, which right. is kind of a trash mindset to have. But
1: Yeah, I wasn't about that life, so what do you do? You, I'm in a position to change it, so bye everyone.
0: <laughs> Sayonara!
1: I hope you have a good time here. <laughs> Which, you know, from the sounds of it, that's not the general norm.
0: But do you think Millers will set you up for success?
1: Oh my God, that's not even a debatable answer. Right? Yes. Why'd I
0: ask it? You know?
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> can you not ask me dumb questions? <laughs> 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 yes, Millers will set me up for. A world of success. I mean, I was at an advantage point because I wanted to stay in Lancaster to teach. So I had so many connections through professors to different school districts already to get a job. Um, and albeit I don't know, like, looking back on it i have no idea why i joined a sorority that is like not me as a whole human being mm-hmm. but at the time i guess it was because it happened but that allowed for a ton of networking opportunities as well 100 so, so yeah miller still set me up for success and again those are opportunities that i would not have gotten if i hadn't left rider
0: right and <laughs> I'm just thinking on it now and I'm like, damn, like maybe I should transfer. But honestly, like I stuck it out. But like there was times, especially I feel like sophomore year and the end of freshman year, where I was like, is this really the place where I'm supposed to be? And I think like the same way as like you said before, like I think I really just like forced myself to join things like f- just for like the sake of it. Like I found myself joining Stig and then by senior year, I was over it because I was just so burnt out by doing all the things because I felt like I needed to. And I was like, why did I do that? It wasn't even making me, like, the happiest I could have been. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. I I mean, unless you're absolutely in love with the place you're at, mm. I don't think it's an uncommon thought to be like, mm, could I be doing better somewhere else? That's a thought in life. Right. Mm, could I be doing better? Could I do more? Could I, you know, that grind we were just talking about it's it was there right. i just didn't realize that i wasn't going to achieve it at Ryder.
0: but then even in relationships and jobs it's the same exact thing like you could yeah. be in a relationship for what 14 10 years and it's like i like this but at the same time like do i actually want to be in this forever or like you're at a job and you like you think you're going to get a promotion you don't but then you're like i like it cuz of the comfortability of it but it's right. like why are you st- like why are you forcing yourself to say something that's not making you happy
1: Thomas even on a simpler scale you could be out to dinner and trying a new dish that you thought you're gonna love and then halfway through you're like mm, I actually don't love shrimp scampi I want to do something else why
0: shrimp scampi
1: I don't that's what was in my heart at that moment so I, I don't but that idea applies for anything I think people are conditioned to think "Mm, we got to stick it out no matter what it is but no I could get up tomorrow and take a road trip in my 2010 Honda Civic and go to (laughs) Las Vegas and be like "Mm, that's my business like you're never stuck doing anything we're never stuck (laughs) thank you for coming to my TED talk
0: and honestly like I feel like I'm in therapy right now like thanks Jewel (laughs) child psychology back at it again (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's Psych 101,
0: what's up? Oh my God. What happened exactly that derailed your experience at Rider?
1: That's a really loaded question. Uh, The year started off really awesome. We had a really tight-knit group of friends. We did everything together. Everyone kept their doors open. Like, it was one of those community hallways. We were constantly together. We would have dinner every night in the dining hall that we called like family dinners and we would go everywhere together and it was a mix of like guys and girls and we just were like constantly vibing and so it started off really really strong and Towards the end of the year things got really really messy and friendships completely dissolved for reasons that are completely unbeknownst to me still to this day. It leaves a lot of confusion, Uh, but everyone kind of stood together and I stood away and the friendships kind of ended there. And because that was so impactful like the end of kind of me being in that group I was left alone and I didn't really have anyone else to hang out with um I was in Alpha Phi Omega APO which is a community service fraternity so I was giving back to my community even Love though it. I didn't particularly enjoy it
0: no party I, mean, my life.
1: I mean I didn't enjoy the community I enjoyed APO that was a nice time um I did have those friends but I didn't feel like I belonged there. I certainly didn't belong with the f- group of friends that I had. Um, so I kind of was in like this awkward limbo that definitely contributed to the feelings I was having of hating it. You know, once you thought you found a good solid place right away and then it kind of dissolves, you're like, wouldn't anyone feel unhappy and confused and like they wanted to leave? So between wanting to change my major. And needing to be certified in PA and Ryder being in New Jersey and no longer really having a solid place at that school, it just made sense to leave.
0: But then you also had a seizure at Ryder, too, which was another another nick on the things that could have happened to you.
1: Yeah. So it's actually funny because uh, when my roommate had, like, watched that kind of go down. She said that I was like seizing, but that never showed up on reports. So I don't know if that actually was classified as a seizure. I don't know if I just passed out. No. But yeah, the one morning I was getting ready for history class and I was sitting at my desk and felt my my neck get really swollen and like kind of hard, like where the lymph nodes are. And I had my roommate come over and feel it. And then after that, I completely lost my hearing and The next thing I knew, I was lying on the ground and my roommate was screaming over my face and the paramedics were there and the campus police and Gabs was putting deodorant under my arm and telling her, you're going to the hospital. We called your mom. You know, you're going to be okay. And-
0: Were you scared?
1: Not really, because I was quite delusional in that moment. Like I was very confused and very disoriented. I remember them like, pulling me out on a stretcher which yuck who wants to be pulled through their college dorm in front of all their pals
0: alcohol poisoning
1: yeah i'm sure people were speculating insane things um but no i just on accident passed out and went deaf which i didn't mean (laughs) it was i didn't mean it it just happened so um then i was in the hospital for a couple days and I remember Gab stuck through me. Stuck through me? <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. Gab stuck with me. Good Lord. Um, The whole time she was like by my side as that happened. So I think that made it a little better to have a pal there. So that was obviously before, you know, all the shenanigans of the downward spiral with the friends went down. But... The, it was then that they had discovered that I have the heart condition that I actively have now and got surgery for and uh, am on. occasionally I'm on medicine for.
0: Ryder is not the place to be for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ryder did me kind of dirty, but you know, everything happens for a reason. It's cliche, but it's true. You know, if I hadn't gone to Ryder, I wouldn't have discovered that I had or I have this condition that needs medical attention. And if I hadn't gone to Rider, I wouldn't have known that I wanted to be a teacher. If I hadn't gone to Rider, I wouldn't have had the opportunity for the personal growth that it forced me to have, you know? Right. So even though it's not the most pleasant memory to look back on, um, I'm still thankful for it.
0: So, Jewel, you mentioned that you went to Millersville. you transferred there, you had a great time, and one of the best parts of it was meeting our long-term boyfriend, Justin, who you now live in your house with. You've been living with him for how long now?
1: Oh, uh, boy. We've been living together since uh, probably the beginning or the middle of 2018.
0: For that long?
1: I think. I get the years confused. I think 2000, God, who knows, 2018, 2019, I don't, it's been a while. We, we lived in an apartment together first right? Um, in the city, and then we moved out of that into here. But I, I I think, yeah, I think it was around 2018, because that's when I graduated college.
0: How did you guys meet?
1: Um, so we went to Millersville, like he also went to Millersville, but, um, we didn't like have any mutual friends or like, he was certainly not in a fraternity. That's not his vibe at all. Mm. Um, he worked, this is like my favorite. He worked at the, like the campus pizza shop. Like it was just the pizza shop on campus. And I would always go like super drunk and get pizza, like specifically to see if he was working because I had like a crush on him but he was like a total Ew. stranger I didn't even know anything about him
0: that's literally a movie scene
1: <laughs> so um I just knew him he we like joked around and called him like the pizza boy and um pizza boy yeah so actually uh like I guess a year yeah. a year and a half Uh, after I like had first ever met him from that pizza shop, he ended up moving in right next door to me. And I was like, I was out back in my backyard and I saw him like walking up with his stuff. And I was like, holy shit, the pizza boy moved next door? And I like ran in the house and I told Morgan, my best friend, I was like, yo, the pizza boy's here. I'm going to date the pizza boy. And and then I just kind of like didn't leave him alone. And now we have a house together.
0: (laughs) Sign that prenup, honey.
1: So it was kind of just like a really bizarre, um, like coincidence that he moved in next door because we didn't have any classes together. We weren't even in the same building. Like that's we went from like, hundred.
0: That's kind of like a Cinderella fantasy. I mean, granted, you're not like working in a house like sweeping, but like you truly met like your person <laughs> without even having. I feel like nowadays people are using apps. People are using things that are not face to face. Meeting, but you met someone in person and just made it that connection. So I think that's pretty cool, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I was I was really delighted, and it's like it's like an ongoing joke with like the girls of my sorority because they all knew about him and like this crush that I had. And then as soon as I told everyone that he moved in next door, they were like, "Of course he did! Like, of course you're gonna get your way and it's gonna work out." <laughs> and <laughs> and it 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 just simply did.
0: It your was insane.
1: Vibe, I can not believe it.
0: Do your vibes mesh? Like, are you very similar people? Very different?
1: We are polar opposites. Wow. He is very reserved. He's very humble. He's very quiet. Um, he's, like, the type of person that if, like, we were to go to a club, he'll, like, vibe on the side, like, with his drink and, like, nod his head to the music and, like, I will be on the stage dancing. Yes. You know, like, He um, he, And he's very logical. I'm emotional and he's like logical. So we really balance each other out very well and uh, we compliment each other. And just, it's so funny though, because we really are very different. Our mindsets are the same. Like he grinds extremely hard. I grind extremely hard, like always trying to get work done, like always trying to get to the next level, like things like that. and we like share the same like values and the same type of things are important to us. But personality-wise, it, it is uh, like night and day. It's very funny.
0: Do you have to drag him out sometimes? Is he like mad about going out? Before, oh no. Before Corona time?
1: He definitely enjoys being home. He is a homebody more right. so than um I used to be coronavirus made me a huge homebody now um but no before all that like he's always down to go out you know um but he's also extremely down to just stay in you know but um I very rarely do I have to like drag him out you know come on boy come on let's go dancing <laughs> But you were telling me before,
0: honestly, this is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. I was telling Julianne, his profession is honestly something I've never heard before. I mean, obviously I've heard of a um, distillery, that's what he works in, but I just I never have heard of someone doing that job. So I, I want you to tell people and share this information because I feel like they need to know.
1: Sure. So he is uh, one of the distillers for a distillery in Lancaster and he makes the products that they sell like uh whiskey and gin and vodka and uh they are starting on some new products actually that I don't really know if I'm allowed to talk about so I'm not going to say anything but what'd you say
0: inside information
1: <laughs> inside information yeah so they're starting some new products uh, but it's really awesome because he kind of worked his way up to that he didn't just apply and get hired he started as a barback and then as um, a bartender and then eventually asked to start like volunteering and kind of like observing down in the distillery and he was allowed to do that. And then as he presented ideas and started helping out, they realized that his ideas and his brain and his like eye for alcohol, I guess you could say, is like very necessary into uh, progression in their production. So um, he went to school for um, botany biology with a focus in botany and minor in chemistry so he's using that chemistry background to kind of develop new products and change the flavor and um just bring new ideas to the table and he's so passionate about it and he's excellent at it and um
0: i think that's so cool
1: yeah it's really special and i love how he just kind of fell into it you know
0: right tell us tell us about his your favorite drink of his
1: Oh, boy! well, i I love their gin. I think their gin is delicious. Um, he, The way that they make the gin, like him and this other distiller, it's not very juniper forward, which is kind of like the piney flavor. It's more citrusy and a little bit minty and so smooth. And everyone is like, gin is an old man drink. Well, you know, maybe I'm an old man, but I think it is the best thing in the whole world. So it's great. He makes it, I drink it, and then we uh, stay happy.
0: (laughs) And we live in our home.
1: And we live in our home and we drink the gin. (laughs) So it's it's awesome. I'm I'm happy that he like found an awesome career out here too.
0: Right. If you had to have a nickname as a couple, this is so stupid. If you had to have a nickname as a couple, what would you name yours? Name yourselves.
1: Uh, like I, that,
0: I literally I came up with that question on the spot. How funny.
1: <laughs> like out of like people that already exist, like name us like, after someone else.
0: You could think of it that way. Or you could think of it based on like you as people and the things that you're interested in, like forming it that way.
1: Um, tweedledee and Tweedledum. I <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> I have, like from Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's actually a really good question. I um, also probably Kim Kardashian and Kanye West.
0: Ooh. Girl, did you see
1: the news recently? Yeah, actually, I- They're getting a divorce. (laughs) Don't wish, don't manifest that. (laughs) Oh my God, let's cut that out. I totally forgot. There's like rumors about him sleeping with Jeffree Star.
0: Which is wild.
1: So freaking funny. But no, I just, let's just keep it at Tweedledee and Tweedledum.
0: (laughs) Call it there, play it safe. jewel and i did a job called study tours and i told her i told her we had to talk about this on the podcast because it's necessary but jewel did it a whole year before i did and then i joined through rider like through rider but it wasn't rider's actual like program anymore when i joined it um and basically this job allows you to work in different areas around the United States, basically giving tours to international students. And I know it sounds weird, but it genuinely was like the best job I've ever, like I've ever had. Like one of the best jobs I should say, right? Did you feel that way?
1: Yes. Um, the first year, unfortunately, is the one that you were not there. That was like my butterflies. Like, I can't believe I'm moving to Miami. <laughs> I've never even been. Um, and. <laughs> My second year, where you were there, I you know I felt like a veteran at that point, right. and I it really hit me, um, truthfully, how absurd our job duties were. We were all of nineteen years old, nineteen or twenty, with the responsi- the sole responsibility, mind you, it was just us on these excursions with fifty. High school students, so not much younger than us, right. who do not speak English as their first language, that we had to take around a place that we had been to perhaps once for twenty minutes.
0: <laughs> Did we even was- go to all the places? Because I remember we went to Key West one time, and I, I swear, I, I lost my group, and when we came back, I was like, I, like, I can't tell you like what happened, but they all came back luckily. But I just, I, it was. We were walking around a place. I had no idea what I was like. Where I was.
1: Yes, we we would take them. Uh, for instance, we would take them to the Florida Everglades, which we would tour as a staff before the students got there. Or we would take them to like downtown Miami, which uh, no. <laughs> Do you know how much trouble anyone could get in in downtown Miami? Right. Let alone a group of 54 Italian 18-year-old boys. Like, I beg your pardon. That's not my responsibility, but it was in that moment. And we would tour Disney World. I took a group of 24 students from Israel to Disney World. Uh, and my job was to say, mm, meet here in 12 and a half hours. I hope you can find your way back. I'm going to go ride Space Mountain until I puke. <laughs>
0: But it's so true though. And on top of that, our boss was like practically our age. So yeah.
1: there was very little guidance. Um, there was very little structure and it allowed for, really in retrospect, it allowed for total trust within your staff, but from, I was not a manager ever, but from that staff like point of view, Holy cow, did you have to be on your ball. You had to be confident in yourself that day of saying, yeah, I feel good enough to teach about the history of Key Biscayne and also get all of these people into hard rock by five o'clock and hope that they don't cause a food fight.
0: Right or ask you for alcohol and cigarettes when I, we're not even like legal to buy them at that point. <laughs>
1: like, oh boy, I don't even know where the corner store is. Right. I get you that?
0: But it's wild because back home where they're from, they can do it. Like they can yeah. just go out and buy it. And like they just expected to like have the same customs, which is also another topic that I'm just thinking about now. It's like, like seeing them trying to navigate the United States while also trying to navigate like understanding themselves like from where they're from was also interesting to see.
1: It was fantastic. Right. The relationships that i built with people all over the world, the, the, the knowledge that I gained, every single person that you talked to that visited, all they would say is, my dream is to live in America. You have so much freedom. You're not looked down upon for being gay or for wanting this or for wanting that. Like right. they admired our culture and how we're so open because they don't experience it where they're from and that really made me open my eyes because like everyone knows that America's a hot ass shit show right now
0: literally so, like basically yesterday the entire country was fucking in flames
1: right so it it makes me think as i reflect back on those conversations with these kids you know four years ago we were the dream, are we still? Like, you You wanted this dream for freedom and acceptance and I, I just, I wonder, you know? It really opened up my eyes.
0: Yeah, now actually thinking about it, I truly wonder if those same kids that we were with for those weeks, like now think that they want to be back here again. I feel like they wouldn't want to be.
1: Do you talk to anyone from the program?
0: No, I still follow them on Instagram and I like see their pictures. But like, I think the last time I ever spoke to them was like the year after we had came back and they were just like, ha ha, like, who are you and Julianne, I'm like, we're good. But like, I I haven't talked to them like since, but I feel like they would not want to do that type of excursion thing again.
1: If you're listening, reach out.
0: Right, (laughs) hello. (laughs) Get
1: us up, let us know. Yeah. But it was, it was certainly a crazy job and also to make it even more insane, we all lived at a university together, Right. so like we also would have RA duties, right, so um like we would patrol in the night time and we would make sure everyone was in their beds at a certain time, we'd knock in to do room checks, we would have walkie-talkies, we'd have work cell phones to be on call. Just. I filled in as an English teacher as a, at a couple points.
0: Did you really?
1: I don't know if that was your year or the year before. Yeah, I did not do that, that. Holy crap. It was like you you didn't really get a break. I mean, people could be like, you got to go to Key West and Disney World. What are you talking like, about that break?
0: No. Like,
1: <laughs> okay, yes, it was a lovely, lovely experience, uh, you know, destination-wise, but right. you lived with your campers for oh my god what was like you were there for eight weeks you didn't really have a day off
0: and it's a type of situation where like if you don't like the staff that's a problem because you're also living with the staff you're with them 24 7 it's not like a situation where like if you're a teacher and you don't like another teacher at the school like okay you don't have to mind them very much like we right. were with the people like 24 7 and if we didn't you get along with that right
1: Yeah, you eat meals with them in the dining hall. Like you, you would.
0: You go on excursions together. Like you have to go at night to round. Like you have to like do these constant things together all the time. And it's just like, if you don't like one another, then you're screwed.
1: Yeah. And it was always funny because the kids would always be like, oh, how old are you? How old are you? It's like, I am never going to tell you that because once you find out that I'm one year and four months older than you, you're going to kick me in the jaw and say, you're not the boss of me.
0: Right. Which they sometimes did. Like, the boys we had from Israel were like, um, you're not my boss. I was like, but we are.
1: But also, like, yeah, good call. Go have fun. True. Actually, I don't get paid
0: enough. You're right.
1: Whatever you have in your brain, go ahead. The pay, I
0: can't. We did not get paid enough. But,
1: I mean, they paid for the flights. Yeah, that's, yeah. Let's be real. But at this, at the stake or the exchange of like our sanity basically. Right. Cause we didn't get a break. God, what a time.
0: But we didn't have so to it, we didn't have to spend traveling. money on food or like board or anything too. So I guess we did save. We did basically save the money we made.
1: Yeah.
0: Which was nice.
1: It was a fun time, but Right. God, it was, and it was I, awesome.
0: And I'm thinking now they definitely can't do it with COVID. I feel like there's the twenty twenty honestly, was the year from hell. Because now thinking about it, that type of job would never be a thing now. With COVID and what's going on with the world, there's no way.
1: There's huge risks involved. Right. There's huge risks, you know? Like, I can't imagine being the group to take them to New York City.
0: Oh my God. My
1: anxiety would be through the roof. Right. Holy crap, or like even LA. True you know they were i mean in one of the one of the other spots was Orlando so disney world was like their prime time thing i, I don't know how we did it i think back on that constantly how did i have the the self confidence to guide these people through
0: right and just to lead them to where they need to go or like the, to give them like the historical background of a place i've never lived in nor have i even been to really like yeah. To have that knowledge, like...
1: We took the kids on... uh, What was, like, the... What was, like, the train thing called?
0: What train thing? The
1: the above-ground train. Why can't I think of the name of it? The tram? No, it was not called tram. (laughs) Not
0: the tram.
1: Not the tram. I can't think of... You know, like, it's... Like, in Chicago, if you take the L or something, it's, like, the above-ground train that, like... Like, it's like a monorail at Disney World.
0: I didn't go on that.
1: You didn't have to take the kids down there? No. Oh, well, that was, like, my worst nightmare, and I lost a whole group of Italian kids <laughs> once they got off on the wrong stop. No, I'm not. Like, I almost had to call the police and, like, have the Miami PD, like, search for them because what? I had my whole squad, and then they decided, like, they thought it would be, like, a joke, like, haha, ha nudging their friends. To get off a stop before, and I didn't realize until I counted at the next stop. And then, like someone in the back was like, "Yeah, they went on the stop before." And I was like, "I don't even know where that stop got off. Like, how am I gonna find these people?" That was your that was your time because didn't you have Josh as a boss?
0: Yeah. Oh, that was that. Yeah. But I didn't go. I didn't go. go I didn't go on that excursion. unless that I... was
1: the day I lost Italian boys.
0: Wow. Honestly, they probably loved it. They probably just living their best life, roaming the halls of Miami. The halls. The halls. So,
1: what a time. Good luck to whoever does that next.
0: Right. Plus tours. Sayonara.
1: I do, I really quickly wanted to say that um, during my first interview, Michael asked me one of these like ridiculous questions and he said... So your final question for this interview is, how many post offices are in the United States? And I looked at him dead in the face and I went, enough. (laughs) (laughs) And they, him and I don't remember who the other person was. Were they
0: cracking up?
1: Yeah, they cracked up and they were like, we've never received that answer. And I was like, yeah, hire me.
0: And they did. They did. And they did not make a mistake. Whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's enough. What was I supposed to say? Like a number?
0: I guess. He didn't ask me that. Whatever. Honestly, let's turn back time, Jules, okay?
1: Let's do it all again.
0: (laughs) Aside from Millersville, Millersville with the cows and the Lancaster, Um, You are also going to grad school while teaching. So tell us a little about that.
1: Yeah, awesome. I started uh, Drexel in April. So right at the beginning of this pandemic, I thought why not stress myself out more and start to take a master's program. Now's the best time in the whole world. So I started that and I'm currently on my sixth class, I believe. So my program is education, improvement and transformation. And under that program, I'm supposed to choose four pro, excuse me, four focuses or minors. So uh, my four focuses are um, creativity in the workplace, evaluation and assessment, urban education. And I will be done by the time I'm 27, which seems light years away because it is 46 and a half credits, which is about 16, 14 to 16 more credits than a normal, master's program but you know we're doing it up and we're doing it big so we're chugging along
0: grinding you've always been a grinding person though
1: i hope to do that as well like that is something that i hope other people see because that is something i try to do i always try to set myself up for success in the future and this goes with my long-term goals because i don't think i will be a fourth grade teacher forever or Mm -hmm. an elementary school teacher for that matter my big lifetime goal is to create a college curriculum around the ins and outs, the hows and the whys of urban education to then teach at a collegiate level. And if I'm being completely honest, I would love to be at like an Ivy League school to just like have that cherry on the top of success, but uh, one step at a time, but masters is first. Then I would like to get my doctorate in education, Mm -hmm. specifically urban education uh start to develop that curriculum present it to a college and then go from there so big goals
0: honestly i'm in awe though i wish i had a mindset to just like kick it like that i feel like i'm just in a very i'm not small-minded but i feel like i just have one goal and i try to go for that but you're like i have this goal and i have this one and i have this one and like you know what you want to do so that's awesome i respect it, jewel
1: thank you i don't think i've always been like that i think this is something that i'm so passionate about that it came so easily to me to figure out what I wanted to do now and then.
0: You're killing it. I hope your dreams come true. Honestly, I can't wait for your curriculum. I feel like it's going to be boss-ass bitch curriculum, you know?
1: It's actually the working title currently.
0: (laughs) I'm a boss-ass bitch working in urban education. That's what it should be.
1: I saw a TikTok the other day of some talk show, and the woman was like, hi, how are you? And the woman, like, flipped her hair, and she goes, successful, how are you? (laughs) I thought that was such a mood. It I is really though.
0: The confidence you have to have it.
1: Oh my, oh my god, it changed my life. I that's going to be my only response from now on.
0: Like teaching and I'm glad I'm in this profession, but like being thrown into a school and not having any like reckon, like like understanding of what is going on, it was hard because I know like you went to school for how many years and it in teaching and it's still hard, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like especially teaching in a big city
1: yeah they simply can't prepare you enough there uh, there have been scenarios where i have you know i feel like i'm in an episode of the office where i look at the camera and it's like uh what do i do now you know i i had a student i was long-term subbing for third grade in you know i've always taught in the city of lancaster and Mm. um if you don't know, it's a very strong community of Hispanic people, of black people, like the minority of people are white. So um, any classroom I've had thus far, I've been in four. Um, there have always only been like one or two black kids, or excuse me, one or two white kids and very heavily Hispanic uh, populated. So like that's a culture shock for me, right, To to learn, their backgrounds and to learn like their cultures and things like that but Mm -hmm. no one can prepare you for things like that and no one can prepare you for the behaviors that you often deal with so back to that short story I had a girl in third grade in one of the classes write a note to her friend and I uh, after much back and forth debate uh, which, you know, as a teacher you shouldn't do, but I did. Uh, I read the note and she straight up called me an ugly whore. <laughs> I was like, is this the third grade? Or is this, like, senior year of high school and they don't like that I just gave them a D on, like, their math test. This little eight-year-old straight up said I was an ugly whore, and she spelled whore wrong, so I wanted to tell her, but I thought that was beside the point.
0: I mean, grammar's always a good thing to look into.
1: Right, like, honey, good insult. Grammar and spelling. Next time, there's a silent W.
0: <laughs> Wait, she spelled the H-O-R-E? Yeah. Nice.
1: So phonetically, she was there. Okay. Uh, but we definitely needed to work on silent letters, which allowed me to, you know, address my lesson the next day all on silent letters. So the next time she would insult somebody, she would at least spell it right. So, you right. know, full circle there. But... They don't teach you that in school. They don't teach you what to do if I had a kid pick up a chair and break another kid's nose and there was a puddle of blood on my floor. I had a kid try to stab me and he leveled my desk. Like, what do you do then? Right. You know? So in an instance like Teach for America where they teach you the business side, you're like, thanks, Sally, but that's not really important right now.
0: Right. And I think I appreciate that because if I hadn't just been like, thrown into a classroom that summer and like learned it, I would not have been able to do it full time like my first year of teaching. And like I granted like, yes, I wish I had known more pedagogy and like the curriculum basis of it, but like you don't need to know that per se to really teach. Like you need that firsthand experience. You need to be able to be in a classroom to get the experiences and to like learn about the kids and learn about their families and what they're going through or it's not gonna work.
1: And that's a big part of why one day I want to create my own curriculum, because going through that collegiate process and being like, what you taught me and what I'm doing simply doesn't match up, right. is a really like frustrating thing to realize. Granted, they taught me wonderful, wonderful things. I learned a lot. I have a great amount of like actual physically teaching knowledge, mm-hmm. but the, the lack of... In instruction is how to deal with behaviors right And I'm not talking about like a kid throwing a pencil or talking while you're talking I'm talking about like physical behaviors one that makes you afraid mm-hmm. you know I'm sure do you experience that where you teach so uh,
0: the first school I taught at there was a student who so the situation was that he there was a club like so we had clubs in the middle school that i taught at, and like every teacher had to teach a club and i taught a club with my co-teacher it was called the book club and we basically read a different book each week or like every few weeks and in that club we like brought food and drinks to the like to the room each time so kids were like i want to be in that club i want to be in that club because like i want to eat and drink we were like no like if you want to be in the club you need to read too like it's not just about like eating and drinking and just chilling like you got to read and like kid who came to the club that day got frustrated because he had been in another club originally but then just wanted to switch because of the food and me and my co-teacher were just saying like we were like no like that's not happening like it's not just about the food you have to read we had already said that and he like walked in and punched the window and like obvious, like the window of like the classroom and it broke and his whole hand was bloody and obviously like I understand like his anger and frustration cause it's like, well, I just want to be here. Like I feel comfortable, like in this situation with like my friends, okay. But then it's like, how do you deal with a situation like that and then be able to calm him down to make him feel like it's okay. Like it's just a lot. While
1: also simultaneously worrying about the other students. Right. And what did you, how did you deal with that? What did you end up
0: he doing? got suspended, which first of all, I hate because then it's like, I just, I feel like there's so much data and so much awareness around the fact that black men are always, I feel like put on like this, like a higher suspension rate than white males, obviously. So like for me to like have one of my students be suspended because of something, it just makes me feel like upset because I'm just like, well, that's a lot to do with as a teacher, like mentally and emotionally, because then it's like, well, I was the teacher that was in that room and now he's suspended, so then it's on me. Where you
1: don't particularly want to report it. You right. The student, right? The the school that I teach at, like now, where I'm contracted, like this is my, this is my place. We don't do suspensions. We don't do detentions. We don't do ISS we don't do even miss a recess. It's a completely restorative practice school. So we are all about like having a peace corner and we do restorative practice questions. And I made a resolution walk for my kids to figure out how to use I statements to get to a solution and work out conflicts. And we have a restorative room where there's different cycles with sensory items where kids can calm themselves down Mm -hmm. in order to be able to get we use the word invited back into the classroom but it's basically them coming up and saying i'm ready to be a part of the community again like do you accept my offer and mm-hmm. it's saying like yes you seem ready to come back into the classroom but we never like you never have a kid missing a day of school from a suspension and i agree with you you know based on the statistics and where we teach it would only contribute to the negative statistics that are out there, the incredibly biased ones that are unfair and built on inequality and injustice. Right, and like, like
0: years and years of racist behaviors within even the just like education in general. It's just it's just continuous. Yep.
1: Right, so what we need to be teaching instead of, oh, you punched a window, you now get to miss school, is, hey, you punched a window? Let's figure out where that anger is coming from and let's figure out how to deal with it appropriately. Because if you're an adult and you get mad and you punch something or someone, you're gonna go to jail. And it doesn't matter who you are, like that's assault, you know? So let's teach you the life skills that you need in order to communicate with people to get you to a better place where there's a resolution.
0: I think that's also another reason why like I feel like after what happened yesterday and what's continually happening within the United States is like obviously there's a perpetuated white privilege mindset in America, right? And I feel like as teachers, if we're not teaching students like early on, like even in elementary school about the behaviors that they should be exhibiting and like showing to others and showing empathy and making sure that they're showing up for people of color if they're white and just like really understanding anti-racist behavior, like there's we're going to continue this narrative about like the u.s being a horrible place to live
1: and it's i it's bigger than just us but right. it can start with us
0: and i think that if we're not if we're not following through on the curriculum like the curriculum that you're trying to make and the curriculum that you have at your school and the one that i have in my school now I feel like if we're not pushing for that at like, the schools that continue to be made, then it's only just going to get worse. I feel like and I'll, if we're like painting the narrative in our schools that it's not okay to talk about our feelings, or if it's not okay to have a space to talk about what's going on in the world, then kids are going to feel that they, they need to hold in their anger, they need to hold in their emotions, and it's just going to get 10 times worse.
1: Yeah. Like I said, this is a specific life skill that kids are going to need to survive later. and. This is the time where they're incredibly impressionable and incredibly open to learning things like that because they don't know any better. And, you know, if, if you're trying to do this in high school or middle school and they've already developed their own pretty stubborn mindset about like, no, I can't share my feelings or no, I'm a boy, I can't cry. Or it's going to be a lot more difficult to get them to open up and to understand how to manage feelings. So push to your principal, (laughs) you know, restorative (laughs) practice. It's, we're you know, it doesn't even have to be a school-wide thing. It's something that anyone can just teach to their own children, their own students, you know, in morning meeting using I statements, talking about something that made them angry and how they dealt with it.
0: Yeah, because even at the school I'm at now, I have empathy lessons like every month within like a few weeks in the month. And we like take time out of the day to teach on a specific Part of empathy so like it's a, right which is so important because what if a second grader is learning how to show empathy to another person like they're going to continue doing that and then once they're in high school they're in middle school they're in college that same behavior is going to be instilled the entire time yes and i hate i hate I hate the mindset that people are like oh well second grader shouldn't be learning about something like that because they're too young what like
1: what? if you argue that hop
0: in my dms and please explain your side right i just don't understand the argument behind it like i just feel like people are so sheltered like they're sheltering their kids because they don't want them to have a mindset that doesn't relate to theirs but then it's like your mindset's wrong like the way that you're teaching your child is probably not the best way Guys, we made it to the end of the podcast. I love you all. Thank you so much for all the support and love you gave me ever since I dropped the first episode last week. Your love and support pushes me through to make each new episode, so I appreciate you all so much. Also, shout out to Julianne Miller for being that very first guest of the season. You rock girl, you did such an amazing job, and I'm so proud of you for being able to share all of your stories and have these conversations with me on the pod. If you would like to be on the podcast, reach out to me at the green sunset pod on Instagram or text me if you're a friend and you know that you want to be on the pod itself. I love you guys so much. I'm going to continue making these for as long as you guys want them. And you know, we're in this together. We're a squad. So love ya. Talk to you soon. Mwah. Peace.